This is an NAC podcast. Welcome to the uh, Hexagon Studio. This is Marjolaine Fournier. I'm part of the NAC Orchestra. And I'm sitting here with Jean-Jacques Van Vlaslin. And today we're going to talk about uh, the first symphonies and compare the first symphonies of Schumann and Brahms. And now I have to say that uh, usually when, when we prepare the season of podcasts, uh, Jean-Jacques proposes some titles and we, we pick. And then I take the title and we don't discuss it that much. And I just go for it. So I, this was, Jean-Jacques, this was a wild goose chase. It was because, a naughty one, yes. Oh, comparing the two symphonies, I found almost nothing in common. And I was desperate to find where you were going with this. And I, in my heart right now, I feel so much relief because finally you're going to tell us what ties, uh, besides the beautiful relationship, the beautiful triangle there was between the Schumanns, Clara, Robert, and uh, with Brahms. But here we go, please, tell me about... Well, we will have to start by putting, you know, things in context, which yes. I always try to do so that our listeners and our, you know, onlookers uh, know where where we're going and from where we're coming. Yes. And where did they come from? Well, eight... Robert Schumann was born in 1810. You know, he's one of those that that group of of composers that that just explode in the beginning of the century. Yeah. You know, Mendelssohn in 1809, uh, Schumann and Chopin in 1810, Franz Liszt in 1811, uh, Wagner, Wagner in 1813, and Verdi also in 1813. Just what an a decade! Eh? More decade. Yeah. Uh, in a couple of years, suddenly ha something happened. And uh, Schumann, 1810. Um, the other person that is very important in this uh, uh, triangular um, uh, family relationship, I, I call it, yeah, yeah. Um, is uh, uh, Clara Wieck. And Clara Wieck was younger. She was nine years younger than her husband. That's why her father didn't want her to, to get married to him. And he didn't think Robert Schumann was important enough to uh, uh, to to marry his extraordinary daughter, and he, he you know, wasn't wrong. you know, as a, uh, he's a, he was a father, and in 19th century, and uh, he had prepared this young lady to become one of the most extraordinary pianists, and perhaps one of the most important pianists of the of the 19th century. I need and, I need to interrupt you. At, go ahead, Clara Schumann, soloist. Everybody wanted her in their city to play. How many women soloists like that were there? There were none. 
She the, was the like unusual. I mean, she was surrounded by the great top pianists, uh, male pianists around Franz Liszt and okay. company. And, and soloists, the violinists, cellists, all that. They, it was they, all, they, um, they were all men. And suddenly there is this extraordinary young woman right. who also will bear eight children to Schumann and uh, who yeah. will be the, uh, the, the, uh, the propagandist of his music, who will help him get through all his uh, downfalls and, and upfalls, whatever. I mean, yeah. he's, you know, uh, she's an extraordinary personality and she composes. That's <laughs> and true. She composes. Beautifully. She, uh, she, and, Beautiful and, and, and as long as Robert Schumann, I always say this, as long as Robert Schumann could put her the theme, the Clara theme into his works, he was fine. The day he couldn't do it anymore, he tried to suicide. And it's an extraordinary thing. It, the, 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 his internal clock, his internal music um, went together with the presence of this wonderful lady. And uh, this wonderful lady was also a wonderful lady for, for Johannes Brahms. Oh, but Brahms was another problem because Brahms had had a totally different education and I think the education is an important element in what we are going to say. Um, the, Go uh, for it, so yeah. Schumann, the Schumanns, the Schumanns were, um, uh, uh, well, Schumann came from a very, very intellectual family, um, a, a very literate family. He had to become... He could have chosen between poetry and and uh, he wrote poems. Uh, yeah. In any case, and between poetry and music, he he was so gifted, and the whole family was was rather was rather very very intellectual. And and on the other hand, you have Brahms, and and Brahms comes from a totally different way. And Brahms. 1833, because I want to insist on that. Who is 23 years younger than than uh, than uh, than Schumann? Well, Brahms comes from uh, his father is an innkeeper. You know, innkeepers, alcohol, alcoholic, and a double bass player. That must interest you. Um, uh, you put those two in the same I, sentence. I, I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> You're <laughs> so, not entirely <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, and 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 this uh, this young man to to earn some money had to go into uh, had to go into the uh, um, in, in, into some of the the coffee places or other places along the water along the waterfront uh, in in Hamburg. And now, for those that know a little bit Hamburg, know that the waterfront. Um, it, uh, has to do also with uh, bordellos and uh, and uh, the, the word bordello comes from bordelo on the waterfront and really? oh yes absolutely so and 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 then it you know bordel bordello uh, was, yeah. uh, on the waterfront yeah. and that's why i use the word waterfront um, for those that that understood it so anyhow we got we get um, uh, and and you know he's a young teenager He's a young teenager. He's 14, 15 when he's playing piano. Very gifted musician. At eight, he invented his own musical uh, signals, his own musical symbols to, to express what, he, uh, what sounded within him already at that point. So he's going to be a composer, certainly. And his father, well, the musical part was minimal, but there you go. 
you know, miracles happen. Mm. And and he goes through as a teenager, he goes through some some the, some difficult moments. They put him at the countryside, but then when he comes back, he has to go back to the same place. And so it his his relationship to to the environment is uh, is nail hard. It's very tough. It's very tough. He's a he's a nice young blonde. He's not tall, you know. He's five foot three, one meter sixty. He's he's not very tall. Bronze was five foot three. Five foot three. Isn't that an extraordinary thing? One always see this big bearded man, but this big bearded man, that heavy heavy weight, uh, loving his beers. Loving his sausages, loving his cigars. Yep. This is this is an image for later, and, and and I think it's a false image of what we have of Brahms. When Brahms meets on the thirtieth of September, yes. the Schumann family, um, at the recommendation of Josef Joachim, the greatest violin of the nineteenth century, for whom Schumann writes a violin concerto, for whom Brahms writes a violin concerto, yeah. who is in the midst of it, who is a very good friend of Schumann. Schumann, the letters of Schumann to uh, to to Joachim and and vice versa are are, are the most important uh, uh, elements in understanding the mind of Schumann. Very often, you know, uh, uh, there is one sentence that always hits me. He said to Joachim, "It would be nice to see you, so we can sit together and uh, be silent." And I, this is this is this is Schumann. His That's music beautiful. grapples with demons and is never wholly at ease. Even when the wings bless the darkness with glimpses of light. I oh. mean, this is incredible. I mean, yes. the, the, and, and, and it's light he's looking for, you know, until he, he gets into that white light in which he cannot use the themes of Clara anymore. And so what is happening, Brahms arrives there, he's 20 years old. Yeah. You know, we're in 1853, he's 20 years old. He see, he meets, and it is love at first sight with Robert Schumann, and love at first sight with Clara Schumann, who comes to listen to this young man play his, uh, I think it was the second piano sonata. Yeah. Now, I, I love this the story where he played, first of all, he arrives the first day that he knocks on the door, Marie, one of the little girls, answers, and the Schumanns aren't there. So he has to come back the mm -hmm. next day. And there, Schumann opens the door himself. But what I love is that when Brahms is playing, Schumann says, wait, 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 I, give I'm, me, no. And Brahms in his head- I'm going head, to get my pianist. <laughs> yes, Brahms in his head, he's thinking, oh, I, you know, this is, this is over, this is, this a is catastrophe, bad. Yes. And, but he, he runs to call, Clara, Clara, you have to hear this. And that's it, it it's, it's true, it's a coup de foudre. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, love it's at first sight. It's a good sight. love and at first sight. It's a triangular love at first sight. Yeah, and uh, Clara says, like in both their diaries and letters, they both say the same thing. And but, but Clara says, his stuff is very hard to play. <laughs> so Brahms, even though he played in very odd places and stuff, he writes intricate, complicated music for the piano. Mm -hmm. So there they are, the three of them. So uh, Clara and Robert, uh, don't yeah. misunderstand us. Uh, uh, this, uh, you know, Clara and Robert are the supreme musical romance of the Romantic period. Oh yeah, 
yeah, and yeah. you know she was the love of Robert's life. Mm-hmm. There they have a sexual diary, which is extraordinary, in which they put down everything that is happening between them. It's it, it's real stuff. <laughs> it's real stuff, and 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 she is also his musical champion. I yes. alluded to that. She's the heroic force that helped his splintering mind together longer than anyone could have thought. She knew, right? And she knew she kept him together for for some there. So then and and so Robert Schubert will live another two years and a bit. So it's it's an extraordinary story because Brahms will hang around as long as he can after the, those first meetings in at the end of September, in the beginning of October. Okay. And he will be there. And then the Schumanns come and visit him in Hanover. And they, they and, and Schumann is fine. Robert Schumann is fine. It's he's one of doing his well. Good, uh, his good periods, yes. Yeah, he's and, happy, and, positive, and, and very positive. And, uh, and, and, and then he, uh, uh, that, that is in January when he's in Hanover. And then three weeks later, it all starts going. He hears those sounds again. He cleans his office. He cleans his office. He puts everything in the right place because he's going away. And then on the 27th of February, the day of carnival in Cologne, in in Dusseldorf, he he goes to the bridge and throws himself into the Rhine. He tries twice, twice to, to suicide because he knew that in a way he knew that uh, his mind was not up to the, the syphilis at the third level, which at that mo- moment exploded. He had it since he was 21, by the way, the syphilis. And they thought he was, uh, everything had been looked after. But, you know, at that time, um, you know, Schubert died of it. Nietzsche died of it. Uh, Wolf died of it. Just That's... name them. I mean, the, the, it, it, it was not curable at so that the, time. The thing is that they meet... At the end of September, let's say, so there's October, November, December, January. Yeah. So that's four months. Four months. And that's the time he, uh, he, uh, he knows him. In, in Robert Schumann, once he's saved by the fisherman in the mm-hmm. Rhine, brought home, he says, I want to be interned. I he want knows. to be interned. It's it. I want to be interned. He knows. He's, he's, not, he's not mad, but... Uh, you know, when once the the, the brain gets uh, uh, gets bitten in by by the syphilis, yeah. then then there is a problem. So at at the end, when he and it's going to come very soon. Uh, so Brahms steps in, and uh, Brahms steps in. Robert is uh, will go to Endenich, an institution along the Rhine, and uh, and he will live for another two years. He will die in fifty six. And Brahms will shelter Clara from to uh, from. And seeing he will stay for two. This. He will stay there for two years. There's seven, the eight children. There are seven children, and the eight was born mm-hmm. just after after Robert is interned, and uh, and 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 Brahms will be there to help. And yeah. uh, you know, he lives in the same house. And there are other friends around, but Brahms is there, and. Um, um, and Clara will not meet Robert anymore, except for two days before he dies. Who takes her? Brahms. I, and the two yeah. of them. It must be an extraordinary meeting. You know, 
he doesn't, I, I don't think he recognizes her, but most of the writings about it and most of not, the, the yeah. is, he doesn't recognize her and he mumbles things and, and he plays some Bach and uh, and that's it and and Brahms takes her back and and you know and two yeah. days later There's, it is there, finished there are words about him embracing her but barely because his arms he can't really move mm -hmm. his arms that well anymore so Brahms has sheltered shelters Clara. her and it goes it goes yeah. further because once uh, he, after his death and yes. just to to get some breathing space for both of them. Yes. They travel together. They go to Switzerland. They do it. And there is kissing, there is hugging, but there is not, it doesn't go further. It doesn't go further because of Brahms. It is very clear because mm. of Brahms. You know, I have picked out of letters um, two or three sentences here. Yes. Uh, Brahms to Clara. And I quote, I can do nothing but think of you. Isn't that, you know. <laughs> I don't know. If somebody writes that to me, it's, mm -hmm. it's serious. Uh, it's serious. When I write that to somebody. It's, you mean it. it. I mean it. And then um, she, um, she, an answer. Uh, what have you done to me? Mm. Interesting sentence, isn't it? He, um, can't you remove the spell you have cast over me? You okay. know, this, it's pretty clear. Um, it, 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 it is clear. It's beautiful. But Brahms has been uh, wounded when he was mm. a teenager. Yeah. And that's why I talked about the waterfront. He has been wounded, you know, the girls love this nice little young blonde boy and 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 he his sexual life goes through uh prostitution uh, well at the end there there there's an extraordinary um, document uh, of brahms walking uh, in the streets of vienna and the prostitutes uh, greeting him and saying good morning herr doctor Good morning, good morning, doctor. I mean, this is but because everybody was very polite. You know, the politeness, the Austrian politeness is, is one of the, the greatest things in the world. But at the same time, what is behind all that, beyond all that? And so Brahms, that was, that was his way. His relationship with women and especially with women that were slightly older were very interesting, which comes in what was his relationship also, that very tender uh, relationship that he had with his mother. So all these elements came in. Brahms will never get married. They, the whole relationship between him and Clara Wieck is, is like the one of an old couple. They will, they will fight each other from time to time. Sure. But musically, they were both attuned to each other so much. She will die in 1896. He will die in 1897. Many, many years after the death of Robert. So this is the kind of background, the, 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 that is the kind of background. But what that does that have to do with the first symphonies? So the, the thing is, between Schumann and Brahms, it's, there's a generation, right? He's, uh, 20, uh, 23 years. So when that's a met, generation. They met, uh, Brahms was 20, Schumann was 43. They had 
let's say six months of real talking mm-hmm. contact mm-hmm. together and Clara was 34 now Clara is the one who encouraged Robert to write his first symphony absolutely she said your music is now too big mm-hmm. too big for the piano Brahms he his music had to grow into the symphony and he worked it that way that's the only comparison I can make I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that I'll, I'll come Please. back to that so yes. uh, she you know they, they get married Robert and Clara this incredible romantic couple they get married in yeah. uh, 1840 and in that first year which is you know the love year it's um, everything is for the best in the best of the worlds and yes. I went to visit their little apartments uh, in uh, in Leipzig where they uh, it's a smaller smallish apartment and there that's where they had their first and for, uh, and I think also their second child and that's where he composes the first and the fourth symphony because she pushes him by doing and and getting into the symphonies your your piano works Sometimes I have so many colors, I'm so good. And what he has to do is to try to get it into the Beethovenian uh, structure. And, you know, sometimes it bursts out of the structure. Yeah. And especially in, the, in some of the, uh, in the, 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 the first version of the Fourth Symphony. And the Fourth Symphony at the end also is a very, very, it's almost in one movement. There is a, a theme going throughout the whole yeah. symphony and it bursts all sides if you have a very good conductor doing it. So, um, one needs top-level conductors for Schumann. Because if Schumann, if they side-read Schumann, it's all gray. And you need more than 50 shades of gray to get oh, yeah. through Schumann. The, this is, there, there's so much coloring, there's so much intensity, there is so much. You know, Robert Schumann, uh, Robert Schumann is um, feet off the ground. Robert, uh, Brahms will be feet on the ground. Yes, very, <laughs> and, much, and very, very much. Very very different, and that's the generational one, and it's Brahms also, his character. But Robert Schumann will compose that first symphony, which we call the, the, the Spring Symphony. And, you know, spring is the beginning of everything. Spring is discovery. It's the rediscovery of your body. It's the, yeah. you know, your, everything. The world is warming up again, and the flowers are... are, are are there and 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 and, and it, happiness happiness and it goes together and so that first symphony is 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 one of those those running forwards by uh, robert schumann uh, it's a totally uh, positive optimistic which he composes the first the first draft four days oh come on four days he composes faster than mozart and so four days and then He works at it because he I, didn't like, you know, getting it into the, the symphonic form. That was more of a problem. Well, right. more of a problem, three weeks. A symphony, a wonderful symphony in three weeks. Yeah. And there you go. And they're flying off. Just, you, just that slow move, the, the second movement. That's so, so perfect and delicious. And I can't imagine three weeks just on, the, on that movement. Yeah, It's... And, 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 and done, done, and then uh, he he uh, and it was well conducted at the premiere. And then he get he gets into his fourth symphony, uh, which is oh. will be called the fourth symphony. And who conducted the premiere? Uh, Some guy named Mendelssohn. Mendelssohn, of course. Yeah, Mendelssohn. Uh, of course. Man, 
and a great conductor. And yeah. Mendelssohn understood right away how to do it and what to do it. Mendelssohn, who didn't like at all uh, the Symphony Fantastique by Berlioz. Oh, really? And I'm bringing this in because you have two tendencies that are starting the, 20, uh, the yes. 19th century. You have one side, Franz Liszt and Berlioz, who are exploding the symphony. And you have Brahms and Schumann, who put them put it back in as much as possible into the Beethoven structure yeah. of and the then, symphony. And then so Wagner is there. And then Wagner who picks from everybody anyhow. So he, he steals all over the place it's and he pulls it together in a wonderful way. But, you know, if he didn't have his um, father-in-law, Franz Liszt, he, uh, there, there are, oh my God, there, there are, I can sing for you the uh, elements that he has stolen in uh, the Faust Symphony, for example, but also in some of the piano sonatas by Franz Liszt uh, that Va Wagner has. Uh, oh, let's uh, talk about that one day. That's one day we will talk about that. So, okay, so, so, so here we, we go. First symphony, three day, four days, three weeks, springtime, explosion. Boom. Okay. Feet of the ground, you know, um, but at the same time, he's a poetic writer. He um, and 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 that poesy, poesy is all over, all over that that uh, that first symphony, which is, uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, C major symphony, and so positive, yeah. very positive, far. Oh no, it's B flat. Singing. Uh, it's the B, the isn't the B. The, uh, the, no, no, sorry. The the Brahms is C, uh, C, C minor. minor. Uh, the, the that's a B flats. Uh, and I'm just symphony. you're just reminding me of the last movement, which is crazy. It, it starts so big. Yes. Rum, bum, 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 bum. And then that's like a little introduction to the. And then you're at the ballet. Schumann, what's going on? And it's. Perfect and beautiful, and like a. Um, I was thinking, I was listening to it by with uh, uh, Neze Sege. It's it's like a birds. You mm -hmm. know when a flock of birds mm -hmm. on on the and then they they take off all together. And you're using birds. Yes. It's light-footed. If you want to, it's light-footed, but always somewhere behind all that is the unbearable lightness of being. Oh, yes, and that comes with that, you know, this is not my title, it is Gundera, of course, the, the Czech writer with a wonderful, wonderful book on the unbearable lightness of being. And you have that in that, that symphony, through that symphony. And then you have, then you have, you know, um, so many years later, you have Brahms, who, uh, who who will try to compose? Now, what are you on those? How did that start? Well, it starts. It starts in '54. Mm -hmm. It starts in '54. Robert Schumann saying to Brahms what Clara said to Robert Schumann: Why don't you compose a symphony? Exactly. Because look, your 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 sonata which you played for us is very symphonic. It's an enormous work. It's big work. And on the, so why don't you compose a symphony? There goes the idea. And I have to say that what very often Clara did to Robert, Robert did to to to, to Brahms, and and he he will teach him he will teach him the 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 uh, old music, 
Schutz, for example. Schutz is very present in Robert's mind. And you know, he will yeah. be, he will be, uh, uh, Brahms, when he writes his German Requiem, with his mother in mind, but also with Robert in mind, yeah. very much with Robert in mind, he will compose, you know, the Schütz comes back. And it's a second level thing. You know, Brahms, Brahms will never, never, ever forget Robert Schumann. And when we get to the fourth symphony, in the last movement, there is the between variations uh, 13 and 16, 17. There are, there are reminiscences. He, he calls back the Clara team, Brahms, Clara team. He calls back uh, the Ferne Geliebte by Beethoven, which was a team that Robert used to talk to musically to Clara. So Brahms quotes a quote by Robert Schumann, which is a quote for Clara, oh. and it's all there. It's all there in the Fourth Symphony. He's telling it, and people that know music and know, and the musicians, of course, everything. When you get into the those very quick, uh, very quick uh, uh, variations of the last movement, a very strange last movement yeah. based on a work by Johann Sebastian Bach. So when you when you have that at that moment he's back and saying goodbye to Robert and saying goodbye to Clara. It's also Brahms who will uh, put together a a, a work uh, which was a composition of uh, Clara and Robert. So you know at the end it's all there all his life Robert Schumann will be there. Now the first symphony First symphony, he knows, he hears about that from Robert Schumann, mm, 1854. And then 1862, he makes some first, and that is uh, two years before the German Requiem. Uh -huh. so, so you have, he, he puts down the first movement, ideas for the first movement, 62. And finally, more than 10 years later, in 74, more than 10 years later, 74, he composes the first symphony. And that's the time he becomes the Brahms we have on pictures with the big beard and that very solid, solid person. And probably now six feet tall in my and mind. Young, and, yeah. and, young, and, and in that symphony, contrary to the fire of Robert Schumann, contrary to the lightness, that unbearable lightness of being of Robert Schumann, you have balance you have density yeah you have a, a solar system ex mm -hmm. starting to exist you know that organic tempo so all the internal battles of Brahms were kind of kept together thanks to the form which was Beethoven's form and that's why they call his first symphony also the 10th symphony by Beethoven. Notwithstanding the fact, and I've always said that, that the second and the third movements are very Schumann movements. Except that after the death of Brahms, most conductors made them too heavy. Today, the conductors have heard that. And the, 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 the Brahms, has lightened up 
his feet are still wonderfully on the ground. But his interior vehemence, that, that, that internal battle and the vitality, which always goes wonderfully well together with great tenderness. Brahms is, I think, one of the most tender musicians ever yeah, yeah. around. Um, uh, he, uh, you know, makes the space a, 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 a very, very wonderful Schumann space, like in the second movement, like in the third movement of the first symphony. And, and so Schumann will, uh, will be there throughout his life. He will never leave him, as he doesn't leave Clara. Uh, uh, and uh, they, uh, you know, if Schumann in his first symphony is, there is a kind of organic movement in it, but Brahms's organic tempi are those of a regular heartbeat. Ah, yes. And Schumann's heart just flutters. Absolutely. That's very true. Especially here. You're very, you're very right. And you have to enjoy it. You have to let go to enjoy it. And I think, I, I think it might be a good place to slow down and stop for ourselves. Absolutely. Because you're right. And you alluded to these conductors. You need a conductor that knows how to let go also with Schumann. Uh, but yeah, I, I have this again in my head now of how it should be, where he just, here it is, here it is. And you have to uh, appreciate this, this mm -hmm. the fluttering. I, I, I see, that it's, it, it's an inter interesting thing. When you listen, and that's from our listeners and the people that, that are around us, when you listen to Schumann, don't try to construct a meaningful thing. Just let yourself go. Yeah. But a conductor can't do that. It's so hard. he has really have to go and have this little element of let go. Yeah. Once he has built everything that Schumann has told. There are much more indications in the scores of, 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 of Brahms than in the scores of Schumann. So there is oh. much more latitude up to a certain point. So you have to know that Schumann sometimes starts and it's as if you're jumping on a train that's passing. Yes. And you have to, you have to let yourself just be taken by him and let him run forward. And if you can get on board, it's the most wonderful present. Thank you, Jean-Jacques. I think, I think I feel better. <laughs> I feel better about this. Uh, I know that we'll play this with uh, Alexander Shelley, with my orchestra, which is the perfect size, my orchestra, the NAC orchestra, to play Schumann. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking forward to that now that we've studied it a little bit. And you bit. will be doing the first of Brahms also. Yes. <laughs> That's why we and were talking about those two symphonies. <laughs> so, oh, and now, the next time you and I will sit down together, we will talk about uh, Claude Vivier, which is totally something mm. else. French-Canadian composer, absolutely extraordinary. And according, 
in my opinion, the most forward going and the most gifted composer who died far too young. Yes. So I know you have a personal link to uh, Claude Vivier. I am not a little bit. I am terrified of the subject. So I'm looking forward to our visit. Uh, thank you so much. And we'll see each other in Vivier's music. Thank you. This has been a National Arts Centre podcast produced in Ottawa by NAC New Media. Send us your comments and questions. Email us at nacpodcasts at gmail.com. Visit the podcast section of the iTunes store where you can rate and comment on this podcast. We love to hear from you. Remember, you can find more great NAC podcasts at necpodcast.ca or search on National Arts Centre on iTunes and subscribe for free. Until next time, goodbye from Canada's National Arts Centre.